Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. I was shaving my face a few days ago listening to old Gene Shepard radio programs on YouTube when I thought about something Bobby Heenan said about ringside commentating. He said he learned how to do it by shaving in front of a mirror. Shaving in front of a mirror allowed him to practice his interviewing skills, try out some foreign accents, and some quick-witted repartee from time to time. If it worked for him, he figured it could probably work for anybody. So I followed Bobby Heenan's advice, and lo and behold, I found practicing in front of a mirror while shaving worked for me, too. For anybody who doesn't know, Bobby the Brain Heenan is generally considered one of the greatest wrestling managers of all time. His professional wrestling career began in Indianapolis in 1967. Starting out as a backstage helper who helped set up rings and carry jackets, Heenan quickly realized his meager 180-pound weight would keep him from becoming an in-the-ring wrestler. So, Bobby the Brain Heenan became a manager instead. During a shoot interview on HighSpots.com in 2017, Heenan said the following about figuring out how to straddle managing and wrestling. You manage as a wrestler and you wrestle as a manager. Very simple. Right. Very simple. When you're outside, you have to register and react like your man is. When you're in the ring, you have to be a coward. That's all you have to do. Everything sounds so simple when you hear Bobby the Brain say it. Listening to him for extended periods of time made me feel Bobby had life all figured out. He could have had a second career as a life coach. I'd take Bobby Heenan over Tony Robbins any day. So while Bobby was on my brain and Gene Shepard was in the background reading a Christmas story, I was sculpting my goatee with a very sharp razor thinking about my next podcast theme. Suddenly, the idea occurred to me. Bobby and Shep, a wrestling with heels on Christmas special. And so it goes. And so it goes. Excelsior! Excelsior! <laughs> How are you? Tonight... <laughs> On Christmas Eve at 11 p.m., you have nowhere to go, nowhere to be, but right here with me. And if that is the case, I will regale you with a Christmas story from my latest book, Wherefore Out Thou. It was Christmas Eve, 1977, two months before the blizzard of 78. We had just arrived to Brooklyn from a holiday visit to some of my denim and leather-wearing motorcycle club cousins in Perth Amboy, New Jersey. The high that day was 38 degrees, and the low was 32. The 32nd day in the past six weeks, beginning November 2nd, have a diurnal variation of less than 10 degrees. My old man wanted my mom, my little brother Ronnie and me, to get out of the car 
p.m., and he desperately wanted to get to bed, as he had a five o'clock wake-up call for work in a few hours. The screen process printing company he worked for would be open on Christmas Day, and he, with a family of four to take care of, couldn't afford to be late for work again. So out we went, out of my dad's warm Oldsmobile in a flurry of hurry-ups, leave that, we'll get it in the mornings, and into our cold railroad apartment on 45th Street and 3rd Avenue, Sunset Park, Brooklyn. My mother was so tired, she sent Ronnie and me straight to bed in our street clothes, skipping our nightly back rubs, skipping our cups of warm chocolate milk. I'd gone to sleep without back rubs before, but... I wasn't new, but how could I, how could I ever get to sleep without my nightly sedative cup of warm leche con chocolate? I was only six years old at the time, but a sense of impending doom rippled through my body. Where would I find solace? And then it hit me. How could I have forgotten? All I had to do was turn to my newest toys, my two newest toys, the ones Santa had dropped off to me in Perth Amboy. They were sleeping on either side of me, weren't they? Weren't they? No, they weren't. Stretch Armstrong and Stretch Monster were not with me. They were in the car, and the weather was supposed to drop to freezing temperatures overnight. Suddenly I bolted upright in bed and yelled, side of his mouth. 
As I pulled on Stretch Armstrong's legs, I quickly found out he'd lost his pliability, and so had Stretch Monster. The frigid overnight temperatures had frozen them as solid. In addition, they had small punctures on their skin from where dabs of gooey pink liquid had oozed. This was surely the syrupy substance that gave Armstrong and Monster their elasticity. Filled with a strong urge to touch the substance, I remembered what my cousin Mimi had told me about eating the liquid inside of Stretch Monster. She told me my stomach would explode, just like Mikey, from Life Cereal. Poor Mikey had mixed Pop Rocks and Coca-Cola on a whim, and his stomach couldn't take the combination of the two highly combustible substances. Because Mimi was eight years older than me, I believed everything she told me. And believe me, folks, I was this close not to putting the syrup in my mouth when I happened to see the following words in the toy instructions. His insides are safe and non-toxic. This was all the permission I needed to go ahead and sample the syrupy material, which was really just gelled corn syrup. I figured it couldn't be any worse than the bad taste of a bar of soap in my mouth, but I quickly found out it was just as bitter and metallic. Whoever said this stuff tasted like corn syrup was a liar. I then proceeded to taste the gelled syrup that had crystallized on Stretch Monster's chest to see if it tasted any different. And of course, it was more of the same bitter, metallic, taste. After sampling the viscous concoction in my toys like some depraved pint-sized glucose vampire, I began feeling a bit strange. It wasn't quite a sick feeling, but one of mild disorientation. The urge to hide the damage done to my newly acquired gifts had disappeared, replaced by a new need to tell my mother the truth and the nerve to ask for brand new toys. What, pray tell, had gotten into me? Why wasn't I scared of getting a good belting for my insolence? Or worse, a buckling? And more importantly, who was that man descending from the ceiling into our living room? It wasn't Santa Claus, I can tell you that much. This fellow was wearing a red sequin jacket with a matching sequin bow tie, a black shirt, and red pants. His glittery suit made the entire living room sparkle. He had light blonde hair, just like Stretch Armstrong, and looked just as squat. My mother was busy cleaning the kitchen and did not appear to notice the stocky blonde disco ball with legs in the living room. I yelled out to my mother, but she did not turn her head to look. She was oblivious to everything but the pine saw in her hands. The short blonde man in the red sequin outfit looked at me and said, She can't hear you, but don't be scared. My name is Bobby Heenan. Have you ever heard of me? When he asked me that, I shook my head no. Fair enough. I'm from the spirit world. The spirit world's broken up into regional territories, just like wrestling organizations. I've got
got the Northeast. That means I'm a big deal. You know how Santa Claus gives kids like you toys for Christmas? Well, I dispense pearls of wisdom, whether you want them or not. Wisdom? Why did I need wisdom? What was I supposed to do with it? Was it like currency? Could I buy toys with it? And why was I getting it from this stranger? I'd never seen him before in my life. And yet, amazingly, at my tender age, I wasn't the slightest bit scared of him. Look, kid, I have 15 other homes to stop by today, so I need you to sit down and listen to the wise things I have to tell you, or else I'm out of a job. Nintendo? I slowly nodded my head and asked. Are you Santa Claus? No, kid. Being Santa Claus is a much better paying gig. The problem is, I don't weigh enough to qualify for that job. Met by the blank look on my face, Bobby Heenan stopped mid-sentence inside. I'm only supposed to give you 12 pearls of wisdom, and that's what I'm going to do. Most of these aren't even going to make sense to you. You're only six years old, for Pete's sake. Are you ready to hear the pearls of wisdom or not? I nodded enthusiastically, not knowing what to expect. For the first time in my brief, wondrous life, I felt fearless and open-minded, up for anything. All right, then. Here's number 12. If you're in this business for anything more than money, you're a fool. Bobby Heenan then went on to number 11, number 10, number 9, number 8. Just talking will always get you better off. We'll help you more than your body or your belt. It always does. You gotta have fun with you. You gotta have fun. I don't care how much money you make. If you don't have fun, it don't mean nothing. It doesn't mean nothing. Then again, that's one time it's over. You always suck at your eyes and your balls. If you're in this business for anything more than money, you're a fool. Having heard that particular pearl of wisdom earlier, I piped up. You said that one already. But Bobby ignored me and forged ahead with his list. Every day you shave your face. Be a German. Be an Indian. Be a heel. Be a baby face. Be whatever you want to be. But when you shave, you always see yourself like the people see you. The magic is over. You've now taught the fans how we do tricks. So Everybody knows it's not real. And here's where I had to chime in. Santa Claus is real. Santa Claus is as real as you want him to be, kid. His kind of magic never gets old. Now let me finish up here. I've got one more pearl to dispense with. Eden paused and told me to bring him Stretch Armstrong and Stretch Monster. When he had them in front of him, he eyed the pinkish syrup on the toys and asked, Did you eat this stuff? To my nods, Bobby Heenan shook his head and said, Whoa, that'll make you sick. My eyes were aghast. Oh no, my cousin Mimi was right. My stomach will explode. To that, Bobby Heenan said, Nah, just kidding. This stuff's non-toxic. With that, Bobby Heenan placed an adhesive bandage over the punctures on Stretch Armstrong and Stretch Monster's chest. He told me to count to 12 and pull them off quickly so it wouldn't hurt them so bad. When I did what Bobby said, I beheld a Christmas miracle. The punctures and the congealed syrup on their chests were completely gone. My elastic Christmas gifts were as pristine as they were when I freed them from their boxes a few hours ago. 
Sports History Network. Special thanks to my wife, Wendy, my kids, Gregory, and Gabriella, for helping me out with this one. Happy holidays, everyone. Your manager is a wrestler, and you wrestle as a manager. Very simple. Right. Very simple. When you're outside, you have to register and react like your man is. When you're in the ring, you have to be a coward. That's all you have to do. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. 
Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.